bless you once again and we give praise and glory unto you. We thank you, Lord, because you did not leave us orphans, but you provided another yourself, the helper, the comforter, the paracletos, to guide us in all truth, in fact, to convict us of righteousness, of sin and judgment to come, to help us in our weaknesses, to reveal to us your will, to maintain and to uphold your holiness, to wash and cleanse your church in order to present it unto yourself, spotless and without wrinkles. O oh Lord, may your spirit and your bride cry out together, come, we give you praise and glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. The book of Revelation, The Missing Dimension, The Church of Smyrna, Part 6. Could have been Part 5 continued, but I'm going to just call it Part 6. And we're going to read again Revelation chapter 2 and uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Now, there will be quite a lot of reading in terms of historical facts as well, because we will focus on the persecution of Christians. Because you see, uh, with the church in Smyrna, there is no really actual missing dimension. It's a blameless church, unlike the church in Ephesus, where the problem was that they had forsaken their first love. They had fallen from the first height of love they had been before. We spoke about that previously. For this church in Smyrna, there is only a commendation and an encouragement. So even when things are going well, even when we feel that we may be rightly so, in good fellowship with the Lord, still we need to hear from the Lord the word of encouragement. Carry on move forward with the Lord, you know, uh, maintain, entertain, keep the little one that's about to die, maintain the flame with the Lord. So we need to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Remember, the letter is written to what church? The church of Smyrna. But at the end it says, he who has a ear, let him hear what the Spirit is said to the churches. It's written to one church for churches. We are concerned by that message today as well. Okay, so let's start our first reading. Uh, Revelation chapter 2 from verse 8 to verse 11. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna writes, This thing says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Verse 10, 
Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto, until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. It's been rightly said that those who were born only once will die twice, and those who were born again die only once, and they will not know the second death, which is the going to spend eternity in hell or the lake of fire or the Gehenna, eternal torment. Now, people might speculate however they want, you know, how come a good God can send people to hell eternally? Well, think about this. But it cost God his eternal son. Well, the Bible says, how much more will be severe the punishment if we neglect the so great salvation? God sent his only begotten eternal son. His salvation is eternal. Therefore, the punishment must be eternal. Because you see, the sentence depends on the degree, the level of the offense, but also to the person being offended. If you offend me, you threaten me of death, your punishment will not be the same if you threaten the queen with death. So the judgment and the sentence depend on the gravity of the offense and the person being offended. What do you think the sentence will be if you offend God and you reject his salvation? Eternal. So we may put that all sort of philosophy, but that's the word of God. In Revelation chapter 20, whoever was not found written in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. And the Bible said, that is the second death. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter how offended we are with the biblical truth. It is the truth it will endure forever. And God will have the final say. <coughs> the day of salvation is today. And we should not play with Eternity. You see, once one, one departs from this earth, from this life, that's it. Because of what? Because it is appointed unto man to die once. And after this, the judgment. Notice, it is appointed. I've told you English is very beautiful. An appointment with death. You can't miss that. No way. I heard the story of this uh, man in Greece who went for a walk in the park and his wife was preparing a meal 
And he said, okay, I'm just going, I'm coming back. You know, the next hour, it was the police. How many times? He fell in the park and he's gone. What? Why did he go in the park? He could have just sit down there waiting for... It's an appointment. Claude Francois, a great French singer in the 60s, just went to replace a light bulb. Replace a light bulb. And he died. And people say, why did he replace it at that? It's an appointment with death. No one can escape the appointment. It is appointed unto man to die once. And after that, the judgment. I might be thinking, oh, maybe I will come back as a chicken because of reincarnation. No, the Bible says it is appointed unto man to die once. After that, the child, oh, what about the purgatory? You know, what about that idea? I will purge my sentence and then after a while I will be purified and I will come back. What about Islam? Oh, no, you see, they will wait my good thing and my bad deed, the one that outweighs, you know, the sentence will be accorded. Now, those are lies, false hope. Who has been there to come back and tell us how it works? Who? Remember the story of Lazarus and the wicked rich? Please give me a second chance. I have more brothers so that I can go and tell them so that they, do, they don't come in this place. What was the answer? No. They have Moses and the prophet. Let them listen. Let them listen. Because what? Because even though someone comes back from the dead, people are so stubborn and rebellious. But Jesus Christ came from the dead. People don't listen. Why do you think if someone comes back from the dead, they will surrender to God? No. The Bible says even if someone comes back from the dead, they won't repent. It's so simple. It's about humility, humbleness before God, trust in God. You know that song in that verse in the Bible? I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. God is able to keep our lives. Our life is secure in the Lord. Want to live long? I don't want to talk about aloe vera this morning. <laughs> and green tea, etc. Which adds more years as we are told. You know, some say white chicken, you know, helps you sleep longer and better and reduce, you know, your exposure to death. Oh, it's an appointment. There was a football player many years ago, it was called Fabrice Mwamba. You remember? Very healthy. In the course of a football match, he fell. But it wasn't this time. You know. But we run every day because we don't want to die. He was probably healthier than all of us put together here. You know, the young died, the old died, people just died. It's an appointment. The devil knows that he has a lot of recipe how we can continue to live here. 
and continue to accumulate rebellion against God. We spoke about the people who call themselves Jews but are not. They call themselves Jews but they are not. And the Bible says they are of the synagogue of Satan. We spoke about replacement theology. The church has now replaced Israel, so we are told, a lie from the synagogue of Satan. Two hundred and three times in the Bible, God is called the God of Israel. What about that? It's not a nickname. It's one of his names. You see, God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob is not a nickname for God. It's one of his names. <laughs> I don't know, I don't understand. The church has not replaced Israel. No. <clears throat> yes, we are in the dispensation of the church, which includes Israeli people who are being saved as well. But one day, there will be a national repentance, conversion. The Bible says that we look to him. The one they fixed, and they will move, they will cry out to him. Imagine a whole nation of Israel coming to Christ. What a glorious day that will happen. Those who call themselves Jews but are not, they are of the synagogue of Satan. In fact, they are the ones infiltrating this church and causing persecution in this church. Guess what? The Lord says, I know. I know. The Lord knows you. The Lord knows your situation, your fears and hope. The Lord knows. If you belong to him, he has full ownership and control of your life. We've just been reminded by Dennis this morning. What was Job's attitude? Oh, I call that radical faith. Not only I know my Redeemer lives, but though he slain me, I will still trust him. Radical faith. Those people knew God. What? In such intense suffering. He sees beyond the current suffering. He said, though he takes my life, I will still trust him. The Bible says in all that, Job sinned not and never charge God with any wrong. How many times do we charge God? Do we accuse God? I've heard many people saying, Lord, why me? Why me? Do you know why? Because I think I'm so important. It can only happen to that one, not me. That's why we question God. There is a difference between asking a question and questioning. I'm quite happy for my children to ask me questions, but to question what I, what I tell them, I get angry. Why me? Why me? Who am I to question God? Do you know what Job's wife said? Curse him and die. Job said, foolish. Listen to what he says. We receive good, want to receive.
between this evil, this less good, this adversity from him. Read your Bible and tell me how many times you see Job, you know, and the, you know, battling with the devil and the devil. Job was focused on God himself. He didn't even know what was going on. We need to be secure in the Lord. But you know what? These days, people know more about the devil than Jesus himself. And false prophets are taking advantage of that. Because they so fear and people are so fearful, so worried about their well-being. It's all about the devil. The devil is more quoted than Jesus Christ himself. That wasn't Job's attitude. Remember we're talking about persecution here. The Lord commanded the church in Smyrna. Guess what? The Lord even revealed to, to them things that which were about to happen to them. Bad things. He even put a timing and duration, 10 days. Hmm. So the Lord was aware that Satan will throw some of you into prison to test you. Remember, Smena means myrrh. Myrrh. Myrrh is used also in perfumery. It's both sweet and bitter, very bitter. But it's also made to produce good fragrance. Remember, I understand that in uh, pharmaceutical, it's used to produce uh, anesthetic as well and painkillers, painkillers as well. And the Lord was pleased with the church in Smyrna. You and I are called to spread that good fragrance of Jesus Christ. That fragrance of life. We are salt and light in this world. Remember that. A Christian does not steal. A Christian does not defraud. A Christian works heart. A Christian live an exemplary life. A Christian is a model wherever he is. Soul and light. A Christian is a truth teller. A Christian is a reliable and dependable person. A Christian. Soul and light. Praise the Lord for Hannah's testimony. To encourage you, I was saved through that kind of ministry, student at university. They were so different. They lived their life so differently than mine. And I was saved through that ministry. And I'm grateful for that ministry. When young people take things seriously and God seriously, like Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they make a difference for Christ. 
how we need to see that. How we need to see resolute young people determined, serious people who believe in Jesus Christ, making a difference for Christ. There's no time for church politics, as we say, self-seeking schemes, hidden agenda, seeking vain glory, etc. No. There is time to be serious with God, to move forward, to let God fulfill his will and purpose in our lives. Every one of us has received a talent, a gift, a ministry for the Lord, from the Lord for the edifying of the body, for the equipping of the saints. Let us be true and faithful unto the Lord and serve the Lord with all our hearts. We are living stones. Who will do the work? Who will do the work? Everyone has 24 hours. Everyone has physical weaknesses. Everybody. But who will do the work? Can the Lord rely on each one of us? As living stones. Praise the Lord for men and women, women who are determined, who put their time for the Lord, who make themselves available to build up the Church of the Living God. Receive here this morning my encouragement from the Lord. When your days come, it's over. When your days are over, may you hear the Lord saying, Come, good and faithful servant. Enter in the joy of your master. In the meantime, let us serve the Lord. Let us not be, let us not be part of the lazy and irresponsible people. Now, let us serve the Lord with our hearts and our strength and our soul and our spirit moving, running towards the race that is open before us until that day. When it's over, it's over. But there will be a reward for that. The Bible says, Blessed are those who die in Christ, for their work follow them. They will be rewarded on that day. For things done openly, but also and mostly secretly. I know there are people who are praying tirelessly for the work in this place, for the leaders, for the brethren. May you continue to do so. God is building this church for you. He told uh, the people in Smyrna, I know your works. I know your works. It's time to work. Who will do it? Who will do it? If not you and I, in our time. Brother Joseph prayed that we have that unique responsibility to pass on to the next generation a clean, genuine faith. Because Jude was writing to people, to the brethren, he said, I wanted to write to you concerning our common salvation. But he changed his plan. And he said, I exhort you to contend for the faith, to contend earnestly 
for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. This is not new. This is not about money preachers, tele-evangelists. No. We're talking about the faith that was passed down once for all. There's no new faith. And if it's new, it's fake. This generation will have the responsibility to pass to the younger generation the faith that we receive. Remember what Paul said? For I have delivered to you that which I also receive. Well, people have accused falsely uh, Paul that he created Christianity. No. He delivered that which he also received. He did not start Christianity. In 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1, we are commanded to be armed with the mind of suffering. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1. We are commanded to arm ourselves with the mind of suffering that was in Christ. I'm glad the Bible put it so openly. You see, in the book of Acts chapter 14 and verse 22, when people came to Christ, they were strengthened and encouraged and told that it is through many tribulations that we should, we should enter the kingdom of God. That was said and clarified from the outset. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Notice, take up your cross. It's your cross. What do you do with your cross? It's for yourself. Someone say, I want to take up the cross, but like Simon of Cyrene for someone else. Catch that? I'm repeating myself. The Lord Jesus Christ said, take up your cross and follow me. And someone said, no, I want to play Simon of Cyrene's role. I'm quite happy to carry the cross, but for someone else, not for me. Now, it's your cross for yourself. Completely different from what we hear today. Come to Christ, you will have this, you will have that. We, we don't see any of that in the Bible. False promises, false hope, nothing is happening. Let us be armed, that is equipped, that is prepared. What does Christ say? If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. The servant is not greater than his master. We die daily. We may think in Great Britain that we don't see persecution. Well, you may not see it openly, but I'm telling you, go on workplace and see what believers are going through. Just because they are believers. Just because they are things they cannot do. I was in a way day 
We're about 60 people, and we're sitting there doing all the management stuff, etc. And suddenly, someone was asked to do, to lead five minutes of meditation for everybody. All the senior people were there, we were all sitting down. I felt, oh boy, oh boy. And you could see the excitement in the room, everybody. Said, what can I do? What should I do here? And everybody, you know, just smiling and waiting, and the trainer standing and start distributing, you know, uh, stuff with different uh, fragrance, and people were going to. Because I'm against these things. I'm not required to empty my mind. I'm required to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I cannot empty my mind in order to give space to demons. So what should I do here now? I stood up in front of everybody and I left the room. And I went to the lavatory and I texted my family. And I said, this is the situation I'm in at the moment. I'm in the toilet, I'm praying. I know it's going to take five minutes, I'll go back. It will cost me, but that's it. Because the person organizing that knows that I've rejected the invitation so many times. But I've been caught by surprise now. It's hard, it's tough. It's very tough. So you may say, I don't see persecution, but believers go through persecution every day. And the whole room was so satisfied with what was happening. I am Christ's ambassador. It was a time of choice to show that, you know, we can think differently because we belong to Christ, whatever it costs. And a lady stood up and said, when I moved in my first house, I was living with a, a ghost. And the ghost was very kind with me. Oh. Oh. I said, where are we? Where are we? So we casting out demons. Some people are living with demons and they like it. In case you forget what Christ has done in your life. We've been called to proclaim the praise of the one who has called us out of darkness unto his marvelous light. We're not inhabited by demons. We cast them out. We are at war with the demons. The devil is really binding people. This is quite serious. Satan was behind all these things. To persecute the church. Believers, we are called to be armed with the mind of suffering. In fact, the Bible says, do not look at suffering like a strange thing. No. If you belong to Jesus and the world hates Jesus, automatically you will be hated. Unless you Ah, compromising. But if you stand for Jesus Christ, you will be persecuted, you will suffer persecution for Jesus Christ. 
but he promised, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Notice, he encourages the church in Smyrna and says, he doesn't say that, oh, I'm going to deliver, no. Be faithful until death. Be prepared, because that would be just a step to me. If it has to happen that we will die, be faithful unto death. Because the choice is always either deny Christ or you die. And that was the reason why the church was persecuted under the Roman Empire. Because the choice was to worship and sacrifice to deify emperors or die. But the believers, the followers of Jesus Christ chose to obey God. They refused to sacrifice to idols and they refused to die privately. They wanted to be public. They were prepared for that. Okay, I think I'm going to pause here, come back to this. Let's go for the long slides, unless I forget them. Okay, next slide. Oh, I can't even see. Can you read? Can you see that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's see what I can see. Okay, from the testimony of history, there is a man who wrote an article, a book, the Colosseum. Now I have a problem with this word, Colosseum. I thought it was Colosseum. You know, I always thought it was Colosseum. And I thought, this must be a mistake. Colosseum? Oh, let me research a little bit. Oh, it's a true word. And I found that any open stadium is referred to as Colosseum. But this Colosseum here was the Romans' particular one. Ah, where the gladiators did the show, including killing Christians, you know, uh, half-starved lions were released to devour Christians, to the excitement of the, the hidden in the public. They were clapping, it was a show, you know, to devour Christians as they were praying because they refused to sacrifice to idols. That's the difference between a Colosseum and a Colosseum. It's been estimated that 3,000 believers died. I think that is by far underestimated. Unless they say it was in one week. So, there are a lot of controversies these days because people are trying to rewrite history and deny that lions never devours Christians. And this man here has conducted a thorough research. This is what he said. Question. Were Christians really fed 
to the Nabians? Answer, yes. Christians were fed to half-starved lions, burned alive, and hugged to death. But the most interesting aspect of this was that the Christians who died in the Colosseum wanted to die there as martyrs. And there are so many sources confirming that, that it happened. Christians died for standing for Jesus. Here is my question. What do we do then with the Christian faith knowing that countless believers have died as a testimony to testify to the faith? Are we allowed to play with the Christian faith? Are we? Is that how we remember the martyrs? The people who have beheaded all the teenagers, all the Latimers, all those? By playing a little bit with Christianity and sitting on the fence and uh, joking a little bit? No. Just on that basis, we need to be serious, resolute and determined to go to the end by God's grace. Okay, let's talk about a man. A man called Polycarp. Most of you would have heard. Most of you would have heard about Polycarp, who was uh, the bishop of Smyrna, and he was John's disciple. Polycarp had been John's disciple. He's been in contact with the apostle, and he was the bishop in the church of Smyrna. There is Ignatius as well, Ignatius in French who was the bishop of the church in Antioch. He was also martyr for Christ. So was Polycarp. But Polycarp is uh, more relevant to this talk now because we're talking about the church in Smyrna. So he was the bishop in that church. Everything Jesus Christ revealed to that church were fulfilled in his life. That's the reason why we're going to maybe read a little bit of him. Polycarp was a Christian bishop in, of Smyrna. According to the Martyrdom of Polycarp, it's a book. He died as martyr, bound and burned at the stake, then stabbed. Mm. Polycarp was a godly man. You can move to the next slide. I'll just say two words for that. The slides are available if you want them. I'm really sorry that I cannot you know, read for you as I wrote down here. I'm inconvenienced by this. But the slides are available if you want them. Polycarp had a dream. He was sleeping and his pillow was burning. He woke up from his sleep and told his disciple, I will be burned alive. And that's exactly what happened. He was invited by the proconsul, Romans, governor, and they asked him to recant, to deny Christ. So the proconsul asked him whether he was Polycarp. On hearing that he was, 
he tried to persuade him to apostatize, saying, he was 86 years old, by the way. The proconsul told Polycarp, have respect for your age, for your old age. Swear by the fortune of Caesar, repent and say, down with the atheist. Polycarp looked at the, the wicked, hidden multitude in the, in the stadium, and gesturing towards them, he said, 86 years have I served him, Polycarp declared, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? He asked to pray. He asked one hour to pray. And he prayed. I have received the knowledge of you, the God of angels, power, and every creature, and of all the righteous who live before you. I give you thanks that you count me worthy to be numbered among your martyrs, sharing the cup of Christ and the resurrection to eternal life both of the soul and body through the immortality of the Holy Spirit, may I be received this day as an acceptable sacrifice as you, the true God, have predestined, revealed to me, and now fulfilled. I praise you for all these things. I bless you and glorify you along with the everlasting Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. To you, with him, through the Holy Ghost, be the glory both now and forever. Amen. They sought to name him, stay. He said, needless, needless, the one who has sustained me will keep me to the end. He refused to be named and voluntarily approached that because of Christ. That's the faith. That's the Christian faith we're talking about. We need to know that. People die. Even in this country. The same way. Burn at stake. You know your story, your history. To make sure that this faith, the biblical truth, is transmitted, passed on to the other generation. You know, we live. People were even scared of his dead body. They burned it. What's the testimony of history? As the ashes was flowing through the river, wherever the river passed, there was revival in those villages. The blood of the mother is the seed for revival. People have died for this faith. Let's be careful in our day. Let us honor God. Let's be serious. Okay, I've already mentioned his death. 
They lit the light, the flame. The flame went off furiously, we are told by history. The things we're reading here were passed down by eyewitnesses. Some of his disciples, they saw the flame, suddenly they saw an ark surrounding his body. And they looked to see how it was burning. Now, they saw something like a bread being <coughs> baked. And he had said that during his lifetime. Lord, make me that bread. I want to lose this life that I may find the true bread. Everything he had prophesied in his life happened. That's why he prayed, Lord, everything you have announced to me is being fulfilled. And he thanked the Lord in his death. And then he wasn't burning. So people became very angry with that. And they sent a very experienced, uh, what's the expression? Uh, Executioner, yes. To come with a dagger. See dagger? Yeah? D A G G. Yeah? They come with that and they pissed into what happened. A huge quantity of blood came out of his body and quenched even the fire itself. When they saw that, they refused to give his dead body to the disciples because it would be a memorial. That's not the first time it happened. Remember the devil disputed Moses' body with the archangel, Michael? Even our body is precious. It belongs to the Lord God. The devil can do nothing with our body even if he cuts it into pieces at the resurrection. In a twinkling of an eye, we will be resurrected and changed in a glorious body. To be forever with Christ. Even our body belongs to Christ. The devil has no power. Our body, our heart, our soul, our spirit is for Christ. Even if throw it to the lions, bring it back and be rose and changed into Christ likeness. That's the testimony we can leave it there. Can leave all this there, and you can just read yourself if you want all these slides. But let me move to my last reading. Now, before the last, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, please. Hebrews chapter 11. Read from verse 36. Ah, thank you very much. That's really, really good. That's thoughtful, my brother. Thank you very much for that. Remember, I mentioned to you the catacombs, the catacombs churches where the believers were hiding because of persecution. 
So that's a picture of some of them. Because of persecution, that's where they were hiding, the believers. So when you read what we're going to read now, you read about believers being in caves and all that, and believers being thrown into lions' den, etc. Those things actually happened. That's why they gathered. And some of them, they found some of them this day, they made them attraction. And people go there and they see. And some of the believers go in order to pray there because they want to remember what happened. And they go with other believers and they pray to remember where the Christian faith came from. That's one of some pictures of the country. <coughs> Thank you, brother. That was very good. So, Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 36. Still others had a trial, and mocking, and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sold in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheep's skins and goat's skins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in desert and mountain, in the dens and caves of the earth. 39. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Oh, prosperity, gospel. We have a problem with this. Did, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Chapter 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the rest that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and had sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. An encouragement. You see what happened to them? It's our turn. Things can change very quickly anytime. I'm telling you. Things can change very quickly. Do you know what happened in the Roman Empire? Just being a Christian, just bearing that name, was enough to be imprisoned. You have a segment of Christianity that sees no problem with what is happening in the world. Everything is okay, everything is moving, it's development, you know, the world is going to change, it's going to improve, and that's not the picture we see from the Bible. <coughs> the picture in the Bible is like this. 
because of increasing iniquity, the love of many will grow cold. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? Things are declining, decaying, not improving. But we're growing in hope and joy. The more we see those birth pangs, the more we know our blessed Redeemer is coming. Hallelujah. But it will grow. You know what? When a woman goes into labor, huh? it won't go back. The baby must come. The birth pangs, the Lord must come. And the baby only come when the birth pang, the sorrow, reach the maximum. That's where this world is going. A lot of false hope. Let us not be deceived. Let us see things for what they are. Okay. I'm going to leave there. We bless the Lord because I believe that uh, what needed to be said has been said in the Church of Smyrna. As you can see, when it comes to the Church of Smyrna, each one of these church, there is a lot of historical facts. Oh, thank you very much for that again. I'm praying for persecuted Christians. Resist him, that's the devil. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Know that. It's very sad what is happening in Ukraine. But at the same time, there is another world. Untold. Believers are being persecuted. Nobody speaks about that. And it's been going on everywhere. And it goes untold. Killed by thousands. Nobody speaks about that. May the Lord bless you. May you, may you find some encouragement with these words. Take things on board. Take God seriously. And your work with Christ seriously. He who has made the promise, rather than being scared, be encouraged that Christ is coming back. One day, it will all be history. We will see him as he is. Our sister sang here, Audrey, and we shall be as he is. Never to depart again and be comforted. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow, for former things will have passed away. God will make everything new. We not look to the grave, we look beyond the grave. Because we have Christ in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. God bless you. Let's pray. Loving Father, we bless you for the Bible, for the revelation of your truth. It's written that if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We shall know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And this is the truth that saves us, the truth that uh, increase and sustain our hope and our journey, our pilgrimage. Lord, we bless you. We look to you, Lord, for the rest of the journey on this earth until you return. Blessed Savior, blessed Redeemer, Good Shepherd, Bishop of our soul, hold our hand and lead us safely, we pray, O oh Lord. 
guide us all thou great Jehovah. We are weak, but thou art strong. Lead us safely, Lord, we pray. We commit this congregation unto your hands, and we pray that, Lord, you will find your own way in this place. You will teach us, Lord, to cling on to you, to increase in faith, to know you, and the newness of life. And the power of the newness of life, that is the power of your resurrection. We pray that the paracletos, the comforter, the helper will continue to sustain us and build this church. Bring increase spiritually and visibly by the power, the leading, and the assistance of the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to remain attached to you, to abide in you. Oh, you are divine. You are the true vine, that we may bear fruit, many fruits, to the glory of the Father. We pray that, Lord, you bless each one of us. And as we depart from this place, bless each one of us and protect us from the fiery darts of the enemy. Keep us, Lord, safe in you under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, if anyone is unwell in his body in this place, we commit them unto your holy hand. Jehovah Rophe, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Rofeka. We pray that, Lord, you will raise them up by the power which by you able to subdue all things unto yourself. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise and glory. We pray if anyone is here who does not know you yet, that, Lord, you will speak to them and raise them up by the power of the Holy Spirit. That today will be the day, the day of salvation, a new journey with Christ until he returns. We thank you, Lord, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit and your saving power and knowledge. Praise and glory be given fully unto you. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you.